Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Tis the season to smell the evergreen, but can you? If you notice recurrent sinus infections, lose your sense of smell, have regular sinus drainage, or constantly notice that you have pressure, you might have chronic sinusitis. And the weather these days isn't helping. Dr. Jonathan Cho is in the studio. He is an otolaryngologist. We'll call it an ENT, ear, nose, and throat expert. And we're talking about the sinuses today, why they get infected, where it hurts, and when you need to see a specialist about it. We're taking your calls at 941-3689, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Cho, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy to have you here. Now, tell me, you know, a lot of people say, hey, they've got sinus troubles. You know, a lot of times people say, I have my sinus congestion again. People might be surprised. Where are the sinuses and, and how extensive are the sinuses in the face? So the sinuses are essentially chambers that exist next to or adjacent to your nasal cavities. They are there essentially to decrease the weight of your face. They absorb trauma in case you injure uh, or bump your skull. They um, increase your surface area for breathing and a sense of smell as well. However, um, the main issue that people have it is uh, essentially when they become full of pus. So they the sinuses are located in your cheeks, in your forehead, between your eyes, as well as in the center of your skull. Yeah, I've heard somebody say once that if we didn't have sinuses, our heads would be so heavy we couldn't hold them up, that you actually need to have these air pockets in order to make breathing more appropriate, but also to allow you to just lift your head up, literally. That's correct. So the sinuses are approximately uh, 30 cc's of volume, each of them. Uh, in total, each side would be about 50 cc's. So if that was all dense bone, our heads would be quite heavy. So we have these sinuses, and a lot of people, you know, particularly tis the season. I mean, you know, I, people have these wonderful wreaths that smell of fresh ivy or smell of fresh fur. And, you know, some people smell it, and they just can't even actually know that they're smelling something. When people have a sinus problem, let's talk about let's talk about two different categories. Let's talk about acute sinusitis. So somebody says, I got sick last week. I have these symptoms. It's in my sinuses. What are the classic symptoms of just a, a regular old, just got it last week, sinus infection? So acute sinusitis is usually viral. Uh, the onset is usually quite abrupt. Uh, it may have been preceded by an upper respiratory infection, so sore throat, itchy, scratchy throat, and then it would eventually go to the sinuses. The sinuses would eventually then start draining. You would get some greenish, yellow, thick mucus, post-nasal drip, fevers, chills. You would, you would feel quite um, malaise, a lot of malaise. And that's quite different from chronic sinusitis. So you mentioned something. Sinus infections are often viral. So if you feel a sinus infection, viruses don't respond to antibiotics, bacteria do. So just because you have a sinus problem doesn't mean you should run to get antibiotics. That's correct. A bacterial sinus infections usually last more than a week. 
uh, and you will notice a, what's called a double worsening sign where your symptoms actually start to improve, which, is, which marks when the virus is starting to resolve. And the double worsening is when the bacteria starts to take over. So just when you think you're better, you go back to living your life saying, hey, I'm going to work, I'm going to go do stuff, and bam, it comes back and hits you with a vengeance. Correct. So that's when the pus bacteria start to build up in your sinuses like an abscess. So that's the time that if you get that double whammy, that double worsening sign, that's when you go in to see your doc. Is there any way to know how often a viral sinus infection will turn into bacterial? Because not all the time does it. So if somebody were to start to have symptoms, when do they know if they could catch it early and avoid getting this bacterial infection? Or do you just have to wait that week to see if you feel better and it comes back? Well, you can do all you can, such as sinus uh, irrigations, so saline flushes. You can use a decongestant. You can treat the symptoms to alleviate as much of the viral sinus infections as possible, as well as relieve your nasal congestion, all the obstruction, the congestion that you get as well as minimize the effects or possibility of this turning into a bacterial infection by managing the symptoms uh, and treating them accordingly as much as possible. So if I were to get congested and I say, okay, I'm going to get some rest, I'm going to take some decongestant, maybe some Sudafed or something else over the counter, I'm going to clear out my sinuses, get a nice saline spray. By doing those things, I'm actually reducing the chances that it will turn bacterial. Yes, uh, because you're increasing the chance of oxygenation of the sinuses by decongesting. You're promoting mucociliary flow, um, those hair cells in your sinuses that help to clear out the mucus and prevent that from being backed up and turning into pus. Uh, So all this is good. I'm actually treating myself without antibiotics with what we would call symptomatic treatment, and that's going to lead to a greater chance I'm going to get better. Yeah, that's true. So in general, wait a week, wait and see how it goes, do your over-the-counter symptom treatment, and if at that point you're not better, then the symptoms that it's turned into bacterial, you know, some people say my teeth are sensitive, or I feel like only one side of my sinus in the face, or one of my cheeks is painful, the other one isn't. Are those some of the signs of that double whammy bacterial infection with sinuses? Yes, those can be certain signs, uh, and those are actually more specific signs that you do have certain uh, uh, possibility of a bacterial infection. They can be due to other things as well, but those are quite uh, specific signs of maxillary sinus infection. Well, and I got to tell you, the first time I had tooth sensitivity, I was just so happy I didn't have to go to the dentist. Nothing against the dentist. But I was so happy I didn't have a cavity or something that I'll take sinus infection any day over having to get a drill done. So so that's one of those symptoms. But that's maxillary. Now, now there's other sinuses. You mentioned there's, you know, behind the eyes, there's on the front. Would you have similar symptoms of like a frontal sinusitis? Would you have that same tenderness to your forehead? And if you had the same, I had an infection, I thought it was better, it got worse, and now I'm having fever and I'm having this tenderness, would that be like a frontal sinus sign of acute infection? Frontal sinus infections usually present with uh, tenderness in the forehead. So you touch it and go, ow, that hurts. Yes. So that would be more specific to a frontal sinus infection. And a, a lot of people with other headaches, other causes of headache also 
complain of frontal sinus headaches. So it can be mimicked by other symptoms as well or other causes. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Jonathan Cho, ENT expert at Straub Clinic and Hospital. And we're talking today about the sinuses. If you've ever noticed that you get what you think is a sinus infection and yet it doesn't seem to go away with the usual treatment, it might just be something else. We're going to talk today about what causes sinus infections to become chronic and what do you do if you've got nasal polyps or something that might be causing you to have more troubles. You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Cho, when somebody has an acute sinus infection, how long does it take to get better? Let's say they they have the bacterial infection, they take their antibiotics. If they're not better in three or four days, should they give it a little bit more time? Yes. Usually antibiotics do tend to turn things around within a few days. But certain resistant strains, um, you know, we usually culture the sinuses as well uh, in an ENT office if things don't improve. But usually antibiotics can, you should finish your entire course of antibiotics before judging the result. And when you have a sinus problem, why does that tend to make you feel a little dizzy? Sinus infections can cause you to become dizzy. Uh, because it can spread to the ear, it can cause eustachian tube dysfunction. So the eustachian tube drainage passages are very close to the back of the nose. And so when sinus infections get severe, they can cause inflammation or congestion that can involve the ear as well. So some people do tend to get quite dizzy. So that eustachian tube, that's that little connector between your, your middle ear and also your your sinuses. And so if that gets blocked, you may feel pressure in your ear, but that ear is where the balance center is. Yes, that's So correct. if you start getting troubles with pressure, boy, you might feel your balance is off. Yes, that's correct. And then, then you have even another symptom of sinus infections. Should you stay home? Is it as contagious as other things? Sinus infections uh, can be contagious. You know, so if you are coughing, sneezing, then you should probably stay home. But uh, sinus infections, people with chronic sinusitis often don't even know they have chronic sinusitis. Well, and that's the other thing that I want to that I want us to talk about today. So, so we we have a pretty good handle on acute sinusitis. You have the trouble, you get the double whammy, you get the the secondary episode of infection, tenderness, maybe a fever. Not all drainage that's green equals bacterial. Is that right? That's correct. So green or yellow doesn't necessarily mean bacterial. It can be inspissated or just mucus that's been blocked for so long as a result of other causes, viral, uh, sometimes even fungal, can cause discharge. So the green doesn't necessarily always mean bacterial. All right. So chronic sinusitis. Now this is when you have an infection that's clearly gotten to the point where, or maybe you don't even have an infection, you just have chronic sinus troubles. You mentioned most people don't know they have it. Why is that? Sometimes it's all they know, you know. So some people have, might have had a deviated septum or trauma to their nose. Uh, some people are born with a deviated septum, for example, or some other sort of anatomic anomaly that can predispose them to having blocked sinus drainage passages. And Do they just not know any better? 
Yeah, that's that's their norm. Sometimes that yes, exactly. That's their norm. Or some people have allergies that can set the stage for sinus infections as well. So when that's the case, uh, sometimes I'll see a patient for a completely unrelated reason, look up their nose, and it's a big mess up there. So. If somebody were to say, you know, my normal is I can only breathe out of one nostril, and if I if I close it off, that's it. I can't breathe. Is that a sign of concern? Yes, that's usually something uh, such as a deviated nasal septum. So one side of the nose will be blocked off from a bent cartilage. Can you see that visibly? I mean, if you've got a crooked nose, you can kind of see it in the mirror, but the septum is actually deeper inside. So even if your nose looks pretty symmetric, could you still have a deviated septum? Yes. So a deviated nasal septum is different from a deviated nasal dorsum, which is what you see on the outside. The cartilage is deeper uh, and involves, the septum is made of cartilage and bone, which is deeper to what you see on the outside. So looking outside, you can't say I have a deviated septum or not. You really have to do some other studies. You mentioned that there could be some anatomic problem. How would you know such a thing? How would an ENT expert be able to determine if somebody had a problem with the sinuses that was deeper than just looking at them? Yes, so we use an endoscope, so uh, also called a sinuscope, which is essentially a telescope that we use to look inside the nasal cavities, we can look into some of the sinuses as well in the office. So it's like a tiny little, what is it? How how thick is it? Are we talking like, you know, Q-tip size or? It's four millimeters. I don't know what that is. Like a pencil? Yeah. So it's the size of a a thin pen, I suppose. A thin pen. Okay. So you can kind of go in there, take a look, look around and see what's going on in there. What are nasal polyps? You hear a lot of people say, I've been told I have polyps. What exactly are those? I mean, you would discover that on your exam, on your endoscope, right? Yes, yes. So nasal polyps are an inflammatory reaction to usually chronic inflammation, allergies, fungal infection, etc., So those are certain things that can cause inflammation in your nose on a chronic basis. And polyps are essentially sacs of fluid which are caused by this abnormal reaction to inflammation in your nose. And they can cause nasal blockage, congestion, and prevent your sinuses from draining properly. In which case then you might develop these chronic sinusitis symptoms. Yes, Do you always have to have the polyps removed, or are there other treatments? There's other treatments to sinus, uh, sinonasal polyps as well. They become a problem when they, as you just mentioned, cause chronic sinus infections or chronic symptoms such as inability to smell or breathe properly. But there's other treatments as well. I would usually start patients on a course of steroids, um, systemic steroids if they're severe, Uh, as a burst dose to start and maintain them on topical steroids. So giving them pills first, and then if they needed a a spray in their nose, you can have some medicine in that spray. That might be a steroid. And what does that do in the nose? Does that kind of shrink the lining, or how does it actually help these polyps to resolve? So they're not like Afrin where they just work immediately. Steroids take a few days to a few weeks to work. They take down the inflammation, so they uh, 
essentially tr uh, change the transcription and translation of the proteins in the cells uh, so that essentially they change and dampen the inflammatory reaction in the lining of the nose. And so without having that huge reaction, then you're not going to have the polyps grow more. You might even have them shrink a little bit, yes. and then you can breathe better, and then you realize, oh my God, I really had a problem before. I never knew it. Yes. So a lot of my patients who I start on steroids, they do pretty well. Not everybody's polyps stay shrunk, and that's the problem, and those are the patients who might need further intervention down the road. However, certain patients do well and elect to just stick with medical management. And you could use a nasal steroid spray for life if you needed to. Pretty safe? Yes. So the benefit and the great perk of topical steroids uh, in the form of either a rinse or a spray is that their side effects are much more manageable than systemic oral or injectable steroids. So if you squirt your nasal spray, bunch of names out there people are probably familiar with, you know, mm -hmm. you got your Flonase, you got your Omneris, there's a whole bunch, Nasacort, mm -hmm. Nasonex, any one of those, you could spray that, help you to avoid having the inflammation in your nose, thus potentially avoid having an infection, minimize your exposure to antibiotics, and keep yourself healthier and breathing overall. Yes, so... It almost sounds like I want to go squirt some some steroid spray up my nose right now. I mean, it certainly sounds like it could really help a lot of troubles. Yes, and many patients do really well with them. I use it myself sometimes uh, when my allergies act up. They're great, so... So you could use it as needed. If you didn't have to treat polyps per se, if you just had allergies now and then, you could use a nasal steroid spray on a what we call a PRN basis. Yes, and they've done studies where patients have been on nasal steroid sprays such as Nasonex for acute sinusitis, uh, which is viral, and they noticed a significant difference and improvement in people, in patients who use Nasonex versus placebo. Uh, so it might actually help you to avoid having that bacterial or viral infection yes. as well. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Jonathan Cho. He is an ENT expert at Straub Clinic, and we are talking today all about the sinuses. Try this. Now, if you occlude your right nostril, can you breathe out of your left? Okay, try closing the left. Can you breathe out of the right? If you can't, you may have some inflammation in your sinuses because you should be able to breathe out of both. If you're having a problem like that, we may have some information to help you. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We will be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. What right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? The answers to this holiday conundrum can be found in A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. It's back in an imaginative performance by Jonathan Winters. Bah, humbug! Reconsider the heart of the Christmas season. I'm Susan Stamberg. Join us for a special presentation of A Christmas Carol from NPR. Tuesday evening at 7. Think of all the times you've turned to Hawaii Public Radio this year. At the start of your day, while driving, and when you've needed inspiration, HPR has been here for you every day. Today we need you to be here for us. 
As the year comes to a close and you take time to give to the organizations that enrich your life and community, make one of those contributions to HPR. Call 955-8821 during business hours or give at hawaiipublicradio.org. And thanks. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. John Cho. He is an ENT expert at Straub Clinic. We are talking about all things sinuses. We're talking about how do you know you have a sinus infection? When does it become a chronic issue that bothers you all the time? And more importantly, what can you do about it? If you've got a question, you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, before the break, we were talking about things that you can do in your office, Dr. Cho. You mentioned that you can use a little scope to take a look in the sinuses. There are some other modalities that ENT docs can use. They can do scans of sinuses. They can do other sorts of tests. What are the most common things that you do in your office when you're seeing people with sinus problems? So you're cor- absolutely correct. We start with the full ear, nose, throat physical examination. So we do always check the ears and the nose as well as the the mouth, the oropharynx, and palpate the neck since everything is connected. Once I suspect that you may have a sinus infection, whether acute or chronic, uh, any ear, nose, throat surgeon will, will uh, perform an endoscopy. So that is, as we mentioned previously, a four millimeter endoscope that we use to visualize the nasal cavities, the ins and outs of everything there, as well as the sinuses. Once that confirms a possible sinus infection, we will uh, order a CT scan, also known as a CAT scan of the paranasal sinuses to look further into the actual depths and crevices of the sinuses. Now, when we talk about that whole process. This is more than I would do in my office. We talk about the scope. You know, I've got these tiny little ear scopes and I can see in the ears, but what I can see in the nose is pretty much just the front. When you're talking about looking through the sinuses, you're really taking a close look. You're getting past anything that a standard primary care doc can do. You're really looking further back into the sinuses, really determining if there's anything specific going on there. So it's a bit more extensive than somebody might expect just to have, you know, a quick two-minute exam. This takes a while. Yes. So the endoscopy usually takes about 30 seconds to a minute. And we do what's called a three-pass. So we'll look all the way to the back into the nasopharynx, which is where your mouth connects to your nose and way back in the, you know, where the ears drain even. And so we do look in the eustachian tube orifices as well to make sure there's no tonsillar tissue or adenoid tissue blocking the drainage passages. We look for polyps and we look for pus that could be draining from the sinuses. So if there's any purulent discharge or crusting uh, or disease, such as even lesions or masses in the back. You can see that when you're doing that. So you can visually see it. Yes, Okay. And that, you know, the CAT scan can help you, but so can the exam when you take a look with your scope. Sort of putting all those pieces together, you get a really good picture as to how that person's sinuses and passageways are working, and that can help you troubleshoot where there's problems. Yes, that's correct. So each, the endoscopy and the CT scan have their pros and cons. Um, the CT scan is good good at looking at bony structures. However, the slices are several millimeters apart, so it can skip over certain things. The endoscopy is excellent at looking at the anatomy in the sinuses. It's 
as I mentioned, a telescope to have a direct look at every, everything, all the structures in the nasal cavity. But you can't look all the way to the top of the frontal sinus, all the way to the lateral aspect, because there's bony ledges there preventing us from looking at the far, far aspects of them. And that's where the scan comes into yes. play. All right. We've got a couple of callers on the line. We've got Devin from Wahiwa. Devin, welcome to The Body Show. What can we do for you today? Hey, so uh, recently I've just been having, I've had no surgery in the past uh, because of a deviated septum, but recently I've been having some uh, serious sinus problems ever since I moved to the island. I moved here from Portland. And uh, What kind of troubles are you talking about? Basically, uh, I'll have, uh, sorry, I'm like really nervous for <laughs> the first time. <laughs> That's all right. Tell me about it. Because, you know, sometimes when people change climates or change geographic locations, you know, this week we're talking about sinuses. Next week we're going to talk about allergies. Those two things go hand in hand. And there might be something that you're exposed to here that you weren't there that you're developing an allergic reaction to. And the symptoms you're experiencing are the sinus issues. So what kind of troubles are you having? Uh, okay. So basically both of my nostrils are mostly plugged up all the time. So... You're a mouth breather now, huh? Yeah, it, it's just horrible. <laughs> well, the good news is that's not normal. You don't have to be a mouth right. breather, that is. Now, have you gone back to Portland since you moved here? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Because sometimes people will notice if they go back to where they came from, wow, their sinuses are clear. They don't notice anything at all. They're breathing like magic. And then as soon as they come back to the islands, here you go again. So I'm curious, what are you trying to do about it? Have you taken any medication? Yeah, so right now I'm actually taking, uh, what is it? It's Flonase. Okay. It's sort of, it's sort of doing stuff, uh, not so much. But I've also been using uh, Afrin every once in a while, and it's really bad if I can't sleep because I can't breathe out of my nose. Yeah, so. Afrin's not one of our faves. No, it's not mine either. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you're trying to do some stuff. To, have you seen a doc here in the islands about it? I've seen a doctor about allergies, for sure. So uh, I can't... What? Oh. Uh... So you've seen somebody about some of your symptoms... And it sounds like, you know, Dr. Cho, here's poor Devin. All right, so he's living in Portland, loving life, breathing normally, doing great. The next thing you know, he's moved here to the islands, and he can't breathe out of his nose. Is this a common story? Yes, so you're absolutely correct. So certain patients can have an allergic reaction to certain allergens in different climates. So he may be, as you alluded to be allergic to certain allergens here on the island as where he may not be exposed to the same. Sure, different plants and different yes. fruits and all these things growing. So yes. in that sort of situation, is it a combination approach, treat the allergies plus help prevent the sinus congestion and, and also treat it? So you kind of have to work hand in hand with an allergist, figure out what you're allergic to. But is there a role for ENT in that in that situation? Yes. So I see a lot of patients who are referred by allergists who have been maximally treated from an allergic perspective, allergy shots. You can't uh, do anything else at that point. Okay. Yes. And if despite all of that, their nose is still congested, their sinuses are still plugged, they can't breathe, then there is definitely a role for an ENT. They may have what's called turbinate hypertrophy where the bony shelves with 
that are usually there in your nose as air conditioners to humidify and um, warm the air we breathe in the setting of allergies or sinus infection, those turbinates can get congested chronically such that they never shrink down to so the point like where you can So they're like double in size and you just yes. can't breathe. Yeah. So what exactly can you do about it? Is that sort of the time when people get sinus surgery or do if they've maximally been on medications, what's the next step? So for my patients who have been maxed out or who have failed maximum medical therapy, then I do have the discussion of possible surgery. Or if they have an anatomic anomaly, such as turbinate hypertrophy, deviated septum, or certain other uh, structures, such as a concha bullosa, or all this medical lingo, uh, but certain other cells that are obstruct obstructing normal sinuses from draining, then I'd have the discussion of possible sinus surgery. And in that surgery, you would take out what was in the way, you would shrink the turbinate somehow? Yes. So I usually uh, straighten out the septum if it's bent to begin with. I will shrink the turbinates, uh, push them out of the way, increase uh, the passage for breathing, and I open up the sinuses. All of this is done through the nose. There's no incisions on the outside. It's done nowadays all endoscopically, so it is done through a telescope, similar to laparoscopic surgery for the abdomen. All right, Devin, there's help out there. You can breathe through your nose at some point. So if you don't feel as though you're getting better, some of the treatments you're using sound okay, but there certainly could be other things that might be helpful for you. Take a look. Talk to your allergist. See if maybe it's time to do a little more investigation and see if maybe it is time to have you see an ENT doc. There might be some things they can do to help you. Now, you know, one of the things that we sort of both grimaced a little bit about was Afrin, Dr. Cho. What's yes. your thought on Afrin? So Afrin is okay if you use it for three days or less. I usually tell my patients if you're having to use it for more than three or four days out of the entire year, that's too much. And it can cause a condition called rhinitis medicamentosa. That's another one of those medical terms. Yes, okay. a very long word, which essentially means your nose is addicted to the stuff. And it doesn't take long. It does not take long, any longer than three to four days, and it causes an ischemic reaction where essentially your nose tissue is lacking oxygen, so it rebounds, and it's now permanently congested because it was lacking oxygen. So if you're looking at your bottle of Afrin and you're reaching for that a whole bunch, mm -hmm. don't be. What should you do instead? I mean, if you use it and you find out you're using it several times a week, you might become one of those people who is somewhat dependent on it. Yes. Stop it. But what should you do instead? Just kind of wait it out, let it go. If you can manage without it, then that's the best way. If you are one of those patients who have unfortunately gone down that slippery slope and become dependent on the Afrin, you can go see your primary care doctor or an ear, nose, throat surgeon, and you can be weaned off. So you could slowly taper it. You wouldn't stop abruptly if you've been on it for years, but a slow tapering could help the situation so that you wouldn't have this chronic dependence, nor would you have the rebound phenomena. Yes. I usually uh, put my patients on a course of prednisone, 
So the pills in that case. Yes. So really help get rid of the congestion so they're not reaching for the afrin. Yes. And that's the prednisone acts as a bridge to taper or wean the patients off of the afrin. All right. So afrin doesn't make us happy if you use it all the time. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Patrick from Kihei. Patrick, just don't say the word afrin. We're all happy. What can we do for you? Afrin? <laughs> I have a... Uh up or something on my right hand uh, nostril, and I've had it previously with uh, you know, some form of a uh, spray the doctor gave me. I don't remember what it is, but in any case, uh, the right hand nostril is uh, more difficult to keep it out of when I lay on my right side and bleed the ball with it. All right, let me summarize that for you, Patrick, because we're having a little trouble with volume. So you said you have a polyp. On your right nostril, you just can't breathe behind that nostril and, and or through that nostril. And when you lay on your right side, forget it, man. You're not breathing out of that one. Yeah, and I can breathe when I'm standing up. It seems to be okay, and I can work, and it's not a problem. It's just kind of, you can tell, it's tricky. When I lay on the right side, there's nothing. All right, well... Let's uh, let's see if maybe we can help you out with that. So if you can't breathe out of your right and you lay down on your right, then I'm thinking what's happened is if it's already blocked, you lay down on the right, anything that's coming from the left might just gravity-wise just hang down on the right sinus. And now you're definitely not going to breathe out of that side. For somebody like that, Dr. Cho, you know, poor guy. Patrick's living in Kihei, loving life. And just no go on one side. Are these the kind of people who you wonder about, like a deviated septum or some kind of anatomic issue? Maybe they just have it on the right and not the left, which is why they're clear on one side? Yes. Usually people who or patients who are symptomatic on one side, the most common thing we do see is either enlarged turbinates or deviated septum. Something anatomic yes. is, is actually blocking the drainage. Yes. And that's why one side is affected. Yes. Or it could be a polyp, as you mentioned. So in that case, you could do the endoscopy. You could take a look in the nose. He might need a CAT scan. You could pretty much get him an answer as to why that's happening, which would help you to plan treatment so he can breathe out of, you know, two nostrils. Yes. We, we really like those type of patients because we can help them out. All right. Hope you heard that, Patrick, because we could kind of hear you, but not as well as I was hoping. But if you if you are still listening, Patrick, there are some things that can be done so you can breathe out of both your nostrils, which is pretty darn awesome. All right. We've got another caller. We've got Mike from Waipahu. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Great. I'm glad you're not. Are you stuck in traffic? It was pretty wild out there. Yeah, it's not good. I know it. Well, all right. What can we do for you today? We're talking sinuses. I've got Dr. Cho here. What's happening in your nose? All right. So I've had this pretty much as far as I can remember, but it seems like at least one of my nose will always be blocked. It's not always the same one. I mean, it's like it switches. Does that, I mean, is that common? And It's interesting. So I should be concerned about. Does it ever impair you to the point where you just, you're a mouth breather, you just can't breathe out of either side? No, I could breathe fine through one nose, but I mean, I just noticed that. I mean, if I were to plug that one nose up, obviously I, I won't be able to breathe. But then that tomorrow it could be like need, the other side, yeah. Yeah. So, Interesting. I don't know. All right. Well, Dr. Cho, what do you think? He's a right, a left, a right, a left. Who knows? Yeah. So I do get a lot of patients asking about those exact symptoms every once in a while. 
And everybody experiences something called the nasal cycle, where every three to four hours, your nose will alternate sides it breathes out of. And that's a normal thing. Uh, and it's essentially called the nasal cycle. Some people are more sensitive to it. It's more exaggerated in some people than others. And if it's nothing that's consistent, if it doesn't impair you, if it doesn't affect your quality of life, it's a normal thing. So don't worry about it. Yes. All right. Thank you very much. No All right. Problem. Great question, Mike. Uh, curious because, you know, now I want to plug one of my nostrils and check it out. I did hear once that you really only breathe out of one nostril at a time. That when you're breathing, unless you're consciously like breathing in with both of your nostrils, usually your body will kind of pick one side. And then, like you mentioned, nasal cycle, pick a different side. So as long as you can breathe, hey, that's really good. But if it alternates, probably isn't anything anatomic then. Yes. Alternating sides is a normal thing. No problem. All mm -hmm. right. Well, these are some great questions. Uh, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. John Cho. We are talking about all things sinus. What exactly is this sinus surgery they talk about? And what do they do? And when would you know if you need it? You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Cho, what if you can't taste? So, you know, I know when I get a sinus infection, and, and nine times out of ten it's a virus, and I wait a week or so, there are a couple of days in there when I just can't taste anything. Why is that? That's because 90, 80 to 90 percent of your sense of taste comes from your sense of smell. So it's nothing's going on to the point where it's spread to your tongue or to the nerves to taste, but all of the fine olfactory senses, all of the herbs, all of the, you know, tomato, all of that good stuff that comes with flavor. Yeah, you didn't mention chocolate. You mentioned tomato. Yeah. I'm thinking you're talking healthy fruits and vegetables. I'm thinking of chocolate, but that's, that's okay. So all those things that we would want to eat and want to smell and taste, 90% of that taste comes out of the nose. Yes, that's correct. Only people who have chronically blocked nasal cavities, you know, patients with polyps, the only things that they really can taste, they always say, oh, the only thing I can taste is really bitter stuff or really strong, salty stuff. And that's because those are the few elements of taste that are actually isolated to the tongue. Everything else is from your nose. So if you, if you get sick and, and you can't taste, hey, that's because your sinuses are blocked and it'll get better. If you chronically can't taste and you don't feel your sinuses are blocked, what's up with that? That's, uh, that's a good question. So people That's can, a horrible condition, yes, I'll be honest. That yes. just sounds horrible. So people who cannot smell, despite their noses being completely clear, then they should go see their doctor to have a possible uh, olfactory lesion ruled out. Those patients, I would order an MRI. So you need to see if there's something really pressing on that nerve. Is there a mass? Is there something there growing that shouldn't be or something else that's going on with that nerve? Yes. The most common cause is a viral infection where their nerves to, to the smell are permanently damaged. It never comes back? It may never come back. Uh, we usually wait it out several months. And in most patients, it does come back. However, there's a chance it may not come back because nerves don't like to grow. Mm. All right. That sounds horrible. 
I don't want to ever not taste my chocolate. Okay, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio. I've got Dr. John Cho. We're talking sinuses. He works at Straub Clinic as an ENT expert. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about sinus surgery and what that's all about and other types of sinus problems that you might not realize you have. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Which of HPR's talk shows do you really love? And how many times have you had to miss it because of conflicts? Did you know you can subscribe to the talk show podcasts and listen to the show on your own schedule? Nothing could be easier. Just go to hawaiipublicradio.org and click on podcasts in the sidebar. You can subscribe right there and get HPR to go. The HPR website, it's just a click away. On New Letters on the Air, Australian writer Thomas Keneally, best known among his 29 books for Schindler's List, talks about writing from unexpected viewpoints. Writing a social history of the rejected is something that perversely appeals to me. Thomas Keneally reads from his 2013 novel about nurses in World War I called The Daughters of Mars on New Letters on the Air. Tuesday evening at 6.30. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. John Cho, ENT expert at Straub Clinic. And we are talking about all things sinuses. If you've got a question, you can join us. If you've ever wondered, why can't I breathe through my nose? Doesn't have to be like that. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Cho, you do sinus surgery a lot. You do a lot of procedures to help people with their sinuses. What are the most common things that you do? So as far as the sinuses and nasal cavities go, the most common procedures I would perform are a septoplasty, turbinoplasty, as well as what we call functional endoscopic sinus surgery. And that's where we go in and open up the sinus passages by means of using a telescope to help see what we do. And that way you can actually get rid of some of the blockage, see what's going on in there, really, and figure out what the next course of treatment should be. Yes. So sinus surgery is an excellent modality for men for a few reasons. Number one, the most obvious thing is that we go in there, we drain the pus out. You can breathe. Yes. And it helps take down the inflammation and you can breathe. However, for those patients who have chronic disease, such as nasal polyps or allergies, It also opens up the sinuses so that the medication, flushes, rinses, sprays can actually get to where they need to go. Fantastic. You know, it's like trying to wax a dirty car. If you can't get the wax on a clean car, it's not going to be effective. If you're trying to put all this medicine on a congested nose that has pus in the way, you're not going to get it to where it needs to go. Okay, so good reasons why if you're having troubles, you don't have to live like that. Well, we've got another caller on the line. We've got another friend from Kihei. We've got Marianne from Kihei. Marianne, what can we do for you today? Aloha. Aloha. How are you over there? I'm fine. I'm curious because I have had a nasal sinus, a chronic sinus infection since my early teens. And at the moment, I am now 76. Well, you've lived with it. I mean, you know. Um, It's always my right nostril. And I've had several different um, nasal sprays, and some I can't remember that far back. But presently, 
the last couple of months, I have had an endoscopy and a CT scan, and I'm currently on fucosetine, and I was on a saline uh, spray, but my ENT doctor uh, changed that to a water solution with three drops of iodine for my nasal spray instead of a saline and it was getting better. But I noticed every time, even when I'm playing golf, my nose drips down to my throat, and then I blow my nose and hit the ball, blow my nose, hit the ball. So what is um, any prognosis you might have? Well, you know, it's a great question, Marianne, because you have this chronic sinus drainage that you've had for, boy, you mentioned since your teens, so you're looking at basically like 60-some years there. And, you know, congratulations, you've lived a long, healthy life despite having this annoying sinus problem. So good that you don't let it stop you. You know, I'm glad that that, uh, that you're really working hard at trying to keep it keep yourself moving and going. Hey, you're 76 playing golf. Good work. Um, but, you know, it's kind of interesting because it sounds like just recently you've had enough trouble that you started talking to an ENT doc. They've altered your treatment a little bit. And, um, you know, is it dangerous at all, Dr. Cho, if you just have to blow your nose a bunch, just okay, just blow it. If you're otherwise healthy, managing some of your symptoms, uh, should Marian just, you know, hit the ball and blow her nose and just move on with it? I mean, sometimes I wonder if she's had these symptoms for that many years. I don't know if there is something that's going to fix it. Her nose might have compensated to deal with what's going on. Yes, uh, I, I think her symptoms do sound consistent with more with possibly rhinitis. I'd be curious to see what the endoscopy and the CT scan actually showed, first of all. And if they were all normal, which it sounds like it may have been if, if her ENT just put her back on medical therapy, it may just be chronic rhinitis as opposed to sinusitis. Rhinitis is inflammation within the nasal cavity, as where sinusitis is actually inflammation and pus similar to an abscess in the sinuses. So it's deeper if it's sinusitis. Yes. Rhinitis is kind of more towards the outside. Yes. So rhinitis is treated medically for the most part, and sinusitis is treated surgically only if it's chronic um, versus acute sinusitis, where we mentioned before is treated with antibiotics. So chronic rhinitis, deal with the medical symptoms, blow your nose if you have to, try some of the nasal sprays, but really there's no surgery or anything that would fix you. Yes, uh, that's correct. All right, Marianne, keep golfing. Sounds like you're having fun out there. Sorry you're going to have to blow your nose, but hey, you're 76 and you're golfing. Good work, I'll tell you. That's great. Okay, we've got another caller. We have Lynn from Hilo. Lynn, welcome to the Body Show. Hello. Hello. What can we do for you today? Well, I have a question. Sure. I don't usually have, um, not always, that I can't breathe through my nose, but I feel like I have sinus infection in my face, my forehead, and this is many years, and I've had a lot of dental issues, a lot of root canals, and I um, go to the doctor, they tell me it's my teeth. I go to the dentist, they tell me it's the sinuses, I go to the doctor, and I feel like I need to stop the, the cycle. God, I'm so sorry you had root canals and dental problems. I have a lot of sympathy for dental things. I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for medical things, too, but... Nothing dental ever makes, you know, it's always painful. So it sounds like you're stuck in this cycle. One doc says, oh, it's your teeth. The other one says, oh, it's your sinus. And here you are in the middle saying, hello, I have troubles. Somebody help me. Right. And I think that I think that the root canal um, 
cavities are, are infected and going up and infecting my sinuses. I mean, my forehead or cheeks are, you know, sore to the touch, and it's been many years. And I just wonder if that's common and if, um, how do you get deep in there to get rid of that infection? Interesting. Good question. Well, you know, Dr. Cho, we talked a little earlier about people who have symptoms that sound like it's sinus, and yet you do scans, you do the endoscopy, you check them out, and their sinuses look okay. There are some other facial pain syndromes. Now, I'm presuming that Lynn has had the endoscopy and she's had the scans. Let's say everything is normal and they've checked out her sinuses, don't see infection, and her dentist is swearing it's not the dental stuff. Could she actually have something unrelated? Yes, there's many causes of facial tenderness or pain, which are not necessarily sinus or dental related. Examples would be chronic migraine, cluster headache, atypical facial pain. And this is, of course, assuming that the CT scan, endoscopy, dental workup are all negative. Then it would be reason to consider some of these other uh, conditions. All right, Lynn, I hope you heard that. So if everybody's checked everything out, you've done scans, you've done endoscopy, you've had your sinuses checked out, and your dentist has checked out the dental stuff, hey, you know what? It's time to look at some of these other issues because it might just be something else. And if you don't figure out what it is, you're going to have a hard time trying to fix it. So I wish you luck, Lynn. I hope you get it checked out if you haven't already. And if so... Time to look at some of the alternatives that may not be sinus-related, so an ear, nose, and throat doc may not really be the next step for you. Okay, I'm wishing you the best, Lynn. We've got a call from right around the corner. We've got Ruth from Makiki. Ruth, welcome to The Body Show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for calling. Uh, what can we do for you? I've got bouts of sneezing. It'll be like five, six, and up to a maximum 19 sneezes in a row, and bouts of runny, runny nose. I think the sinuses are involved because in August I did have a drainage which turned green. My GP gave me antibiotics and it cleared it right up and I was fine for a month. And then the sneezing and the runny nose started again. What could be? Oh, I've seen an allergist. He says, nope, it's not an allergy. Ruth, you and me together, man. I got to tell you, Almost every morning I go through this, I'm about to sneeze 20 times thing. Oh. And I really try hard not to. And yeah. then when I do, like particularly when I say forget it, I'm just going to sneeze, I like scare the cat. And yeah. people two floors down can hear me sneeze and like, what's wrong with you? Are you dying? No, but it drives me nuts. So, you know, it's one of those things, Ruth, I, I feel for you because the sneeziness must drive you nuts. Now, what I've been told is that it's probably because I build up all this stuff at night to the sinus stuff. Then I get up in the morning, gravity drains it down, it's moving around in my nose, and then I just get this incredible sneezing response. But I got to tell you, after my 20, I'm good for the day. Dr. Cho, does this make any sense? Are Ruth and I just making this up? We sneeze a lot, maybe like just 5, 10, 20 times in the morning, then it's gone. Normal or am I just kind of sneezing for no reason? Yes, there's, there's several patients who come to my office with these similar complaints, such as yourself and Ruth, and uh, it's exactly like you say. A lot of times, these are patients with allergic rhinitis. However, some patients don't have allergies, and they have vasomotor rhinitis or non-allergic rhinitis, and they have very similar symptoms, but with a negative allergy test. So if I, 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 I deny all of allergies... 
my cats are not the source. Mm-hmm. I've decided. So if I don't actually have allergies, taking Allegra, not so helpful. Yes, antihistamines won't be as helpful. However, the nasal steroid sprays can still be of help because they will take down inflammation, whether it's allergic or non-allergic. So if Allegra helps me, then I'm in denial, but I really have allergies. Most likely. All right, Ruth, I don't know if you're in denial. I am. But Allegra helps me. If Allegra doesn't help you, Ruth, then maybe try one of those nasal steroid sprays. But um, yeah, maybe I have allergies. I'm not blaming the cat. (laughs) All right, we've got time for just a couple more callers. We've got a very patient, Dorothy from Kona. Dorothy, welcome to The Body Show. Good evening. Um, Yes, I have a problem with my eustachian tubes, and it actually affects my hearing. I I have no problem breathing through my nose, however. So I'm not sure whether this is related to sinus or not. It's a good question. What's your problem with your eustachian tube? Pardon? What is the problem? You mentioned eustachian tube. They're all plugged up, and it affects my hearing. So you're losing your hearing, or you feel like you can't hear very well? Well, I can hold my nose and blow and I can clear my I can clear the passages but it only lasts for a sec for a couple of seconds and they're back plugged up again. Interesting. All right. Dr. Cho, Dorothy can hear us right now. Maybe she just did her little maneuver. What's up with that? So yes, many as we mentioned before, all of it's connected. Eustachian tubes are in the back of your nose and it may be sinus related. It may be rhinitis related as well. However, uh, eustachian tubes may, many patients have eustachian tube dysfunction on its own as well. Something to try are the nasal steroid sprays. Because even if you don't think it's in your nose, that could be contributing to the problem or blocking the pressure from getting out of the eustachian tube. Yes. Which is why when, you know, when you're holding your nose and you're blowing really hard, Dorothy, it works temporarily. Yeah, temporarily. Yeah. We we at the ear, nose, throat clinic, we usually try and rule out anything such as residual adenoid tissue or something plugging up the back of the nose with endoscopy just to be sure that there's, you know, no pus pocket back there or residual inflammation or an adenoid. All right, Dorothy, so there's some hope for you. It comes and goes. I mean, I'm fine for a while and then it comes back again, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Well, I guess what I would do, yeah, I would see somebody when it's there. You know, it's always hard to describe this kind of stuff when it's gone. So if it comes again and it stays for a few days, try to avoid your little maneuver that you're doing, which although it's helpful, just try not to do it. That's the time to go get checked out because then if there really is a blockage, it's going to be seen or there's going to be a way to determine that there's something there instead of when you feel great, which kind of puts a little pressure on you to figure that out, but might be something to consider. All right, we've got one last caller. We've got time for Anne from Pearl City. Anne, welcome to the Body Show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have I'm 28 years old, and as far as I can remember, I've always had a stuffy nose, and it was never a problem until recently. I started running, and the more I run, I realize I'm a mouse breather because I sound like a donkey. And uh, I can't seem to breathe through my nose. I recently saw an ENT. He did a CT scan and told me everything came out normal and told me that I have an allergist nose. Uh, told me to do a saline rinse and a flow nasal. But I've been doing that for two months now, over two months, but I'm not noticing any relief. Um, I don't know what my next step should be. And once in a while, my one of my ears, my right ear, will get 
plugged up like the previous caller was saying, and I can't hear from my ear, but that only lasts a little while. So, Anne, you've already seen an ENT doc. Yes, and he did a CT scan. He said there was some blockage, but he said it, it looks like there is allergy-related. Um, told me to do a saline rinse. I've been taking allergy medication, but there's no relief. And the thing is, my thing is if it's related to allergy, it should come and go depending on if I'm around something that is causing the allergy. But this is something that's always constant. I, my nose is always stuffy. Interesting question, you know, because I would think, Anne, if it was an allergy, like I'm denying that I have, then Allegra or some allergy medicine might help you since it helps me, which, boy, next week I'm in trouble. I have an allergist on. I think he's going to dispel my myth of no allergies. But, Dr. Cho, in this kind of situation, can somebody have an intermittent symptom that, you know, maybe on their scan there's a little blockage but nothing so dramatic it, it made them do anything surgically? Is this one of those scenarios where two months might not be long enough? Keep on the treatment, wait a little bit longer, follow up with your ENT doc and see if things have changed? Yes, that would be um, certainly th- the way I would see it. Um, she can Two months is, a, is kind of on the early end of being able to judge, especially as we mentioned earlier, steroid sprays or any type of steroid for, for, for that matter takes a while to be really effective. Uh, once once a steroid kicks in, her symptoms may improve if despite medical management with the kitchen sink essentially, if her symptoms do not improve, then you know a turbinoplasty or something like that may be an option. So we're presuming that she's had the endoscopy done yes. and the CT scan, although, and I don't know if you mentioned um, the endoscopy done, but if you haven't done that, that might be part of the workup. But then if you don't get better, you know, that's one of the things that I remember learning a long time ago, don't expect a steroid spray to work immediately. Mm-hmm. Give it at least 12 weeks before you judge, because if you don't give it enough time and you stop it prematurely, you might not get the benefit, and then you might head down to a different therapy route that could have been avoided if you gave it a little bit more of a chance. So she should continue with it. But then if nothing gets better, potentially there could be a surgical procedure that might help her. Yes, definitely. All right. I hope that helps you. And we want you to keep running. No reason why not to. I got to tell you, this has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it, Dr. Cho. I hope you're able to come back sometime. Yes, definitely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Dr. John Cho is an ENT expert at Straub Clinic and Hospital. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook. Our engineer is David Chong. Our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk about those allergies I seem to be in denial of having despite the benefit from the use of Allegra. And we're going to talk about what causes some of those allergies and what you can do to fix it. And what are some of the latest treatments in the world of allergies so related to our ENT discussion today? We will see you then Monday at 5 on The Body Show. <laughs>